This is the Cop Think Podcast, where we answer the question, why do the police do what they do? I'm Brian, I'm the host, Brian Kesey, and my guest is Andy Lewis. I'm going to say Andy is an expert on horse, or police horses. I'll say that more clearly, police horses. Uh, and the topic of conversation is going to be, um, in the 14 years that you did mounted patrol, what did it teach you about humans? Okay. And, uh... I'd like to start out just by saying that um, you know the biggest thing about about humans and horses is that obviously one's a prey animal, one's a predator, one a predator animal, and so you know a few year, years back I was given the opportunity to to come in as a uh, subject matter expert for horse behavior in a deposition where on a uh, personal injury claim against a, uh, one of the boarders at a, a barn and the barn owner um, where the person that was boarded there um, got bit by a horse that wasn't their horse and uh, was claiming that it was the fault of the barn owner and so to get ready for that I did some research on um, you know animal domesticated animals and the injuries uh, that are sustained from them every year and at the time um, it, it came out to be a top three were uh, dogs in the lead then cattle and then uh, horses and if you look across at the populations of, of those animals and, and how many there are, there's way more dogs, um, you know, and not almost in every house or every other household you're going to see a dog. When there's less cattle, obviously, but there's a lot more cattle than there is horses. So for those to be that close together, and I don't remember what the numbers were, but to be that close together, it would say that, you know, horses are far more dangerous than the other animals. Um, and despite the fact that, you know, the horse is so much larger, you're talking, you know, especially for police horses, I think the smallest horse we ever had was about 950 pounds, and we had some that were close to 2,000 pounds. So, I mean, the differentiation between human and horse there is, is quite a bit different. So, um, the reason why they are so dangerous is because, unlike dogs, where dogs are predators and, and humans are predators, horses are prey animals. And so, th there's just a whole different set of, of what's important to those animals compared to them. But as humans, we always like to, you know, put our, you know, humanistic attributes to animals and, and expect them to behave that way and it just doesn't work with horses um, and so that's where people you know have a tendency to take you know um, put them in situations where they're gonna act differently than they would or just it is just the way they're gonna act but they they just take way more chances than they than they should with the with the animals and so as someone that's gonna train in a horse the only way you make it safe is that if you you know practice and train and understand why things are happening just like anything else but you got to bridge that 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 language gap of, of you know how do I tell this horse what I want to do and it's real easy to try to control them and you know because if you look at what way predators and prey are predators we compete to win I mean we want we want breeding rights we want eating rights and everything like that whereas prey animals they just compete to survive Everything for them is just flight or flight. They just, you know, it's reactionary. Um, everything is, is, you know, trying to keep from getting eaten by other, other things. Um, and so they're going to react constantly to that. Um, and the way that they do that and survive it, they have, you know, their herd. But it, within that herd, there's a dynamic. And the dynamic has to be from top to bottom. There's somebody that's ahead of you in that dynamic. And as long as you fit into that dynamic, you're accepted into the herd. And, and they want just peace they want everything to be relaxed because everything is scary to them and so anything different than that is going to be scary so you know if you come into them acting like a predator like we do for example one of the biggest things about about horses is and, and or i guess prey and predators predators we always move straight line to everything so we go from point a to point b we're hunting point a to point b we fixate on what we want and we go after it Horses, they amble around all over the place because it's like, well, this smells good. I'll go over and eat here. I'll go over here. And so when they approach and move, and it's also the way that, they, that their vision is. We, we look straight forward. We have binocular vision. Horses can have binocular vision, but they also can look 360 degrees around except for they're in, right in front of them and right behind them. So they're constantly, but they're, they're, their vision is what's called a ramped vision. So what that looks like is it's very clear at distances, but up close it looks almost like a fun house. And so they got to constantly tilt their head back and forth and move around. So where you approach that horse or where they approach each other is very important because it, it gives them the best vision without being scared. And so with our, 
you know, with our thinking, when we see a horse, we want to walk right up to them. Well, that's that's scary to them because it's like horses don't do that to each other unless they're looking for a fight or something like that. They're not going to do that because it's just not in their nature. So, you know, just when you approach them, just doing that certain thing like that shows them right away that okay, this person might know what I'm. They might know how to speak my language. Okay, I know normally I'm not going to do that because that's not how I've been. That's not how I think. But I've got to change my way of thinking to adapt to them. Otherwise. You know, I'm trying to put a you know a square peg into a round hole. It just doesn't work. And uh, we can we have the ability as humans to think around that where the horses don't. They can't say, well, I'd rather act like a human so it goes easier on me. They just don't think that way. You know. So, so do you actually when you approach a horse, even do you do you actually walk to them up in your body? You just do you purposely manipulate your body. Yeah, purposely. You know, there's a, and there's a lot of things. I mean, that's a simplification of it, but there's a lot of other things. You know, direct eye contact. You know, as, as predators... So you avoid eye contact. I, I avoid eye contact unless I need to use it. For, I can always switch back to my predator mode. If I feel like something immediately needs a change, I can do that to my advantage. But learning that, and I didn't, you know, it's, it, it, to go even deeper to that, and it's just, as, um, I, I mean, it's, it's kind of like an oversimplification of it, but um, horses as a survival mode, they're always in tune to energy. And I'm not talking about, like, you know, there's energy in everything that happens. So you have kinetic energy, magnetic energy, all this different kind of energy. And horses being bigger animals, and, and the energy I'm talking about, though, that they're in tune to is uh, energy that's, that comes off of the heart, so that your, the heart rhythm and, and the mental energy that's created out of your brain. Um, they are so in tune to that because they have to be, as soon as they smell or anything, um, it's called like, a, and I don't want to keep running in circles here, but it's it's called the swarm theory. So if you're a horse in a herd, you're all within a certain thing. It's it, the swarm theory is like bees. If if a bee senses a threat, none of the other bees have to know what the threat is. They can all they go all out there because they all sense it at the same time. Horses are the same way. If a horse, if one of the horses sees a threat, they all sense it because that horse acts differently and it, and it raises their energy level and then it's fell across the herd and they all react instantly. That's how it keeps them from being killed. And so what you need to do when you're dealing with an animal like that is you have to learn to, to really maintain an energy, a neutral energy. So they don't feel like it's threatened, it feels like it's, it's, it's calm and they will actually invite you in there or look for that calm energy and and any horse that in that herd that acts differently than that because in a herd you don't want to stand out you just don't because that's dangerous if you stand out and bring the attention of a predator they're, you're the one they're going to go after so horses specifically want to try to be low-key and not stand out and so you'll see them very rarely will they ever bicker with each other because it's like that shows anything you don't want to show weakness and that kind of stuff and and it, and it all plays in to a huge thing if you think about it you know as humans we want horses to perform and so a horse is going to in their natural ability perform at a level even if they're in pain they're not going to come up to that level because they don't want to stand out as being weak it's in their dna they can't change it and so understanding that it 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 really does is hard for police officers to fit into that because police officers were type a we want to go 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 hard a lot of a lot of you know just energy and that freaks horses out and so a lot of officers that I've tried to train in over the years didn't do a very good job at it just for the fact that that personality could never turn it off and you've got to be able to turn it off and you know even myself starting out I didn't realize how important that was you know I just thought well you make these horses do what they want to do and it was like I was lucky because you know I, I've always been a person that that really does a pretty good job of regulating fear and that's a big thing because a lot of energy is derived from fear and it causes you to get you know a lot of hostility and a lot of anger and that kind of stuff that comes out is usually because of fear or pain or something like that so you know I've always been very good about regulating that and so I would be able to pick horses into a situation that were way more stressful but it's just because I didn't get upset you know the horse can feel every the horse feels everything about you and that's part of that that connecting that together um, and like I said, it sounds a lot of voodoo stuff, but it's just reality. I mean, like I said, if a horse is a 1,200 or 2,000 pound horse and you're 185, 200 pounds, just the sheer mass of your heart compared to their heart is, is 
is a lot less. So like human beings, there's been a lot of studies on this, on measurements and stuff, and they have a, it's basically kind of like a, they call it a magnometer, but it's basically a fancy compass. And so it measures, you know, wavelengths of energy and that kind of stuff. And I'm not, like I said, 100% sure on how it works, but um, they can measure, you know, how much energy can you put off compared to what a horse is. And it's, for humans, it's usually around 10 feet. And then it's, um, you know, for horses, it's more, it's about 50 feet, you know, because of their size. But, you know, a lot of that is the reason why, you know, you can feel things about people, you know, um, hey, I feel this, feel something feels weird because about this guy, I don't know what it is, I don't know what it is, but it's because you can sense or feel their changes in energy patterns, um, you know, if you're close enough, that just cause you to think, okay, something's not right here. Because, you know, if, if the situation is everything's calm and one person's not calm, it's just like the horses. If everything's calm and one horse freaks out, then there must be something going on because they don't know why else would they be freaking out. And so your goal the whole time is not to ever get them in that threshold and be watching them and feeling them. And so that's what eventually towards the end of my career um, with the horses, I was able to take a horse that normally would be very anxiety driven and very upset in, in a stressful situation and then walk them through a crowd of people, you know, on like a, a lead rope and have kids crawling all over them and everything else and, and not have them go stressed out because they're watching me as their other herd member, we're sharing this energy pattern. As long as my energy pattern, which I'm, and I'm, when I talk about energy pattern, um, kind of talk about a coherent heart rhythm or coherent energy pattern. And what that basically means is that, you know, when the rhythm of your heart and the rhythm of your head is, is consistent together, then you have like a calming neutral pattern and it's in sync with each other. And so when that when that happens it's a very you know low-key energy thing that's what you know sitting at home and you're feeling good and everything else usually that's that's you, you've got that going on so you know knowing that horses pick up on that it's like I don't want to do anything to disrupt that horse he's gonna be constantly watching me and waiting for me to do something different and there's a lot more goes into it obviously I mean as far as you know the way I'm carrying my head I always carry my head down you know, to show the horse that, yeah, there's, you know, because when horses get upset, they bring their head straight up. So if I bring my head straight up, he's going to be, what's he doing? I mean, they're watching you that closely. And they feel everything. Like I said, they feel everything. And, and they've tuned in. If you're training with the same horse for a long time, or even if you know how to pick that up quickly with a horse, then they're going to be watching you. They're going to ignore everybody else. And no matter else, whatever, if anybody else freaks out, but they're, they're worried about you because they're sharing your, your coherent pattern. And so, you know, at first, like I said, when I first started out, I thought it was, I'm doing this, I'm controlling this horse, I'm doing everything. And then towards the end, it was like, you know what, I can't do anything unless this horse is willing to do it with me. You know, and so I guess the roundabout thing is that if you apply that to, to dealing with human beings, which is different, obviously, human beings are still in that, in that pattern. But if, if you're doing things and looking for patterns with people that enables them to come down to your level, it makes it way easier and safer to deal with people. So like if I go in somewhere, I know people are going to be stressed out. I can't let that elevate because if it elevates, I know they're going to elevate. You know, if somebody's upset or angry, I'm not going to look them in the face like I would in a predator and I'm try to stare them down and be like, you know, hey, I'm I'm control here. I'm not going to do that because it's going to cause them. They're, you're going to put them in the back in the corner and they're going to do something. But if I can kind of bring it around and one of the things, the neat things that I've really learned about since I've kind of gone back to, to being on patrol and dealing with people um, and, 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 and the, a lot more calls and stuff is that uh, I'm thinking, you know, with horses, I never would go, I, you know, in the beginning I didn't, but it, towards the end I would never go start working with a horse and unless I knew that horse was ready to work with me. And so in the horse world, they call that joining up. And it can be done a bunch of different ways. You can do it, you know, you put a horse on a lunge line and you work them in a circle and try to get them to, and ho certain horses, horses are just like people. They give you different cues. So like, you know, if I, if I told you I was ready to listen to you, I might sit down, I might be quiet, I might look you in the face. Those are cues to you to know that, you know what, this guy's ready to talk. But if I'm walking in a circle and not looking at you, not talking to you, it says, hey, maybe it's not time to talk to this person. You know, so, you know, when I go to a call, I'm looking for that join up, whatever it is. You know, it could be, you know, somebody sits down or somebody looks at me for a minute and they give me their attention. And if I can't get it out of the person that I think is an issue, then I'm going to go to somebody else that may be in the room. If I can find somebody that's going to join up with me, I can join up. So now we're joined up. Now we're 
we're in the same energy. Now I got to work on getting that person to come into us. And so it's a huge, huge thing that you've thought about. And it's a kind of a plan that you got to set up within just a few seconds. But it's, it's like you know what the end result is. The end result is I want them to be joined up with me, talking calmly, relaxed, and, and find out what the problem is and see where we can go with that. You know, and the, the thing to this is that you have to really be willing to give the time to this. You know, it might take, like I said, with a horse, sometimes it, it, you could find a horse. Some horses are very willing. They're like, I want to go to work. I want to do everything because I don't want to make you upset at all. And they're just like people. And you might get them in the first 30 seconds. Now, the horses might take an hour to get them to hook up with you and, and get them introduced to you. But to, to get the result you want, if you're willing to, you have to take the time. It's the only thing that's the only equalizer that, that allow you to do that. Because if you try to cut corners or push it, it something happens. You're going you're gonna to lose out. It's just like, if I can, one of the biggest things about, you know, like, uh, persons in crisis is a huge thing for our department right now. Dealing with these people, and it used to be certain things. Um, but now it's like, there's no way that you can be, I mean, well, it probably is if you put the time into it. But I haven't found a way that you can be an expert on everybody's issue. Because everybody has different traumas or whatever it is that's causing them to have their issues. Um, so you're not going to be an expert on that. So if you if you pick a chance, if you like say right away you want to ask them, are you taking your medication? That'll turn off a lot of people, and that that ends it right there. They're just going to walk away from you, you lose them. So that can't be your first thing you go to. You've got to pick something else. And like I said, to me, the energy management works in almost every situation. It may take a while to do it, or you may have to go at it a different way. And it, like I said, you might have to go to somebody else first before you can come back to the situation. And then you have to be willing to say, you know what, you know your limitations. Hey, I can't handle this one. It's going to have to go to somebody else because I'm not being able to get that join up that I need or whatever. I'm not going to go into this situation because I know if I cut that corner, I'm going to make it worse. You know, and, and so, you know, I never used to think like that. I used to think that, you know, I had to be in control. I had to do these things. And like I said, it took me just learning how to speak, to think like another species, a whole different type of thing that was different to me to realize, you know what, you, you can't do it that way. You know, it's just a hard way to do it. And there's people out there. And like I said, when I first figured out this thing, I, I can't. I wish I would know the, the article the guy I read about it because the the problem came when you're trying to teach other people how to do this thing that's you know is super dangerous and it's you know inherently. I mean, one of the biggest things, it's funniest things about cops and teaching them how to ride a horse, um, because a lot most of the cops that we had come in had no prior experience dealing with horses, is that you have to let them tell them. To acknowledge their fear because there's a fear there should be a fear coming off because you can get hurt really bad and so a lot of cops don't want to admit they have fears about anything and you probably know about this but I mean it's just that's the hardest thing for especially people in our line of work to admit that you're afraid of things um, because we say we're not supposed to be afraid we're supposed to run into things but it's like you have to admit that because if it's it's if you don't admit it it's gonna be like a wall in front of you because you're gonna try to avoid it and you're trying to go around it and it just is always gonna be there so as soon as you can say you know what hey, it's okay to be afraid to fall off it's the land and it sucks anyways, you know? So, I mean, it's it's like the worst thing. And there's, like I said, it's easy to say that's it's a very small thing, but there's other things that you have to have, I guess, set up to, to, to be a backdraft for that, you know? Um, you know, it's your, I guess, what your theory of death and all that kind of stuff. But I mean, to me, I don't really worry, ever, I haven't worried about uh, about dying like that because they have that controlled fear, you know? And it's like, I, ha I know it's there, I know there's a possibility, but it's like, let's focus on the mission and how can we make that safer? We can make it safer by understanding what we're doing here, you know, learning how the horse talks is the first thing. Um, because like I said, why does that, you know, it's very frustrating when somebody tells you to do something with a horse and you just have no reason. It's like, why isn't this working? I see them doing it. It's perfectly, it's like, because the horse is, is, is willing to do it. You're not going to make them do anything they don't want to do. You're just not going to. I mean, they're just too huge. I mean, you can scare them. But that's only going to last for a certain amount of time. So you really, really, really have to be, you know. And like I said, it's not something that you pick up one day. It's something you got to constantly be reminding yourself of. Okay. And every time the horse makes a mistake, what did I do it wrong? That's what you really got to start believing in yourself that, you know what, it is never the horse's fault. It's my fault. I did something. I missed something. I missed something he's trying to tell me, he's, you know, and, and what, how can I fix this, you know. And, and the worst thing about it is, is that, you know, just like anything, when you get into doing something, your ego gets in the way. And when your ego gets in the way, then you, you close yourself off. And then when somebody comes and says, hey, wait, have you thought about this? Then you, then you shut them off. And then it's lost. You know, it's lost. So, you know, I, I, I bumped into that a few times 
in the 14 years, whatever, that I was doing this. And it's like, you know, it, it really started taking some, because I came off a lot. When I first started, I was coming off like, you know, two or three times a week. And coming it, off. Yeah, I mean, like getting bucked off, getting thrown off and doing all these things. And, and it took getting really hurt pretty good once. And say, you know what, you got to really start thinking about this. And then every time after that, it would happen again. It's like, well, you got to think of it a different way and everything else. And like, when I found this energy, I was talking about this article, when I found out about this, this energy thing, because I'm like, well, what is it about me that makes it so easy for me to do this? And kind of a natural thing to, to kind of pair up with these horses. I mean, I didn't, I just started doing, this started happening. I wasn't like reading about it, didn't read about how, what to so, do. So you weren't, uh, the, whoever taught you. Never taught me anything about this. This is something you discovered, discovered out of your curiosity. Yeah, and wh where it came from was, was teaching other people. You know, they'd be like, well, you're just, you just don't fear it. You don't have any fear, afraid of it. You're not afraid of it. And I'm like, well, it's not really that. And it's like, well, you do this and do that. And, you know, one of the things that people that have worked with me and have accused me of having this kind of ranger mentality was that everyone ranger near me. And so it's like the mission is the most important thing. So whatever it takes to get the mission, then you do it regardless of whatever damage comes to you or anything around you. And it's like, yeah, I kind of think like that. But that's not really the thing in play. Because to me, safety, especially with doing, you know, as a trainer, you know, that's one thing I wish everybody had a chance to do in the police department was be a trainer. Of, and I'm not talking about just somebody gives you some information to train to somebody, but something you have to actually come up with on your own because it's a huge responsibility. And just that I'd late wake nights thinking, okay, did I teach somebody something that's going to get them killed, you know, or hurt? You know, that's, you know, that's just, it's something that is really, really, you take seriously in it. And it causes you to really kind of evaluate always what you're doing. And so, you know, I, I wanted to give people an answer of why is this working for me and not working easily for other people. Well, a lot of it comes, I guess, from, I've always kind of had a hard time with like, you know, processing and, and, and applying emotion to things. You know, like, um, I just never really get that passionate about too many things. I mean, I don't get angry easy. I don't get, I don't, I don't really get super excited about stuff. I'm just kind of neutral all the time. And, and so that came kind of naturally. The other thing is, is that, you know, I, I got big into martial arts, traditional martial arts with like um, Japanese, um, kind of the same stuff the samurai would use and stuff. And that, you have to, big part of it was meditation. And I used to think, well, a lot of this stuff is bull, you know, bull crap or whatever. But once I started doing it a lot, and part of the meditation is that you're trying to empty your brain and not think about anything. So you do some counting and some breathing and this stuff like this. Well, then it does get to a point where you, your head kind of empties and you just kind of sit there. Well, then my sensei at the time, he would come up to you and he would kneel down and he'd like to see if you're actually in that state or if you're just faking it because it's easy to fake, you know. And he would just wait to see you movement. If you'd see eye move or something like that, then he would... He would throw a punch into your like solplex, and it would it would drop you. I don't know if you ever been punched with solplex, but it it'll drop you quick, and it's probably just as effective as getting hit in that or knocked out or something like that. But anyways, you would start to feel him there. As soon as he'd kneel down, you would just feel it, and I just like it seems very weird, but it's just a physiological thing. It's not something that is magical. It's just a physiological thing when you're in that state of just not thinking and emotionally clean and not. It it's like a just you're aware of a lot more things and one of them is energy patterns when that's disrupted you feel it and so thinking about that well there's got to be a reason why that must be applicable here somewhere and that's when I started investigating this thing found an article by which I could remember a name I can't because I'm <laughs> horrible with that but you know it talked about you know horses and, and basically how they rely on this energy in their group to monitor it and I'm like that's it that's got to be it so you were a successful mounted cop for how many years before you really made this turn? Well, I would say this portion of it probably in like the 12th year because huh. I was so excited to talk about it when I found it. And, and I, there was a couple of people that I really respected that were, have been, you know, you got 30 years of horse, you know, and one of them was one of our fairs. The guy puts the shoes on the horse and the other one was our doc, you know, our, our, um, our uh, veterinarian. And I'm like, man, this is just amazing. She's like, he, and I was like, I got to learn how to teach this to the people. That I'm, and he's like, listen, this is like a 10 year, 10 years with horses minimum to understand this because you've got to see how this plays out in every, every I'm like, yeah, well, well there's got to be some way to cut it, you know, and there really isn't a, a substitute for that experience. 
But I think that being exposed to that, saying, you know what, you really have to understand where this comes into play, especially in our line of work, because you're taking a horse in places that just aren't, they're not expected to go. They're not expected to go down the middle of, you know, 7th Street. They're not imagined be pinned in between buses and having people honk and people running out from every, they're not just, they're just that's not in their nature, you know, so you've got to really learn to control yourself because like I said, once you've shared that energy pattern, the two of you are sharing an energy pattern, a horse is trusting you. In the horse's mind, he really doesn't care what's going on because he's accepted the fact that you're higher in your hierarchy to him and he trusts you that you're never going to, because of a, a history, you've never put him in a situation where he's been in danger or he felt like he was in danger. And when you have, you've tried to work him through it at his level to make it, you know, and it's just like, I mean, it is with when you raise kids and stuff. I mean, you got to build that trust over a long period of time. But like I said, when you can speak that language, the time is a lot smaller. So I can come in, to, I could go, with, I guarantee you I could go today. I haven't been around a horse in almost a year. I could go outside right now if there was 10 horses out there and we all walked out there, I guarantee you they would come right over to me. And it would just be because I would instantly go back to that, you know, just relax. And, it, and like I said, it, it really applies, I think, in because we recognize human behavior. This is one of the things, like I said, when I talked about emotion and stuff, I struggled for a lot of years of watching people and reading emotion in people because I never really felt like I felt the same way they did in certain things. So I would have to mimic what they were doing and, and it, it just felt awkward. So, but I know I could recognize that. It's like, well, okay, so this person obviously is sad about this, even though I would never be sad about this. I'm giving them the respect that they're feeling sad about it. It doesn't matter because it's, it's not, it doesn't me. So looking for that and then all of a sudden being realized, you know what, there's an easier way for me to do this. And it's just by listening, feeling energy and watching these cues. Because like I said, I can associate what it feels like when I'm calm and I, what I feel when I see that in other people. And it's like, if they're going to be, that's when you're upset and you're stressed out and freak out and your world's coming apart, you don't expect somebody to walk in and be like that. It just doesn't fit the, and that's what you, the same thing with horses. I mean, horses will test you. And when you do something like, let's say I might kick out at you, I can react by freaking out and kicking back at them and everything else. But if I just act like with curiosity or I just like, act, it's no big deal, then it, it really, the horse is like, whoa, I just did that and you didn't do anything. It really trips their mind up because they're expecting, because in, in the wild that would happen if they would do that. But if you react differently, like with uh, curiosity or, or just being neutral, not getting upset at all, it shows them that, you know what, you are stable, you're, you keep a stable and that's what I want to be around. It makes me feel safe. And you can do, like I said, you can do the same thing with people, even though it's a different kind of thing. Um, and like I said, it's, I've been, like I said, it was, I, I, I listened to a lot of officers and so I had, there was a long period of time where I was dealing with the horses, where I feel like I don't have that day in and day out stress taking all these calls and stuff. But I didn't ha really have that before. Um, I just was looking at it a different way. What stressed me out has always been like personal stuff and everything else like that. Work has always been like a, like a, a relief from that. But I could see where it would stress you out if you would get pulled into those emotional situations. And, but to me, I, I don't let that happen because like I said, I mean, if it's, if I go in there and they haven't joined up with me, I'm not going to handle it that way. It's just not going to work because I know I'm not going to be effective and it's just going to make things worse for whoever I was going to have to deal with. And so, you know, like I said, if it's a PIC person and I don't have any idea what's going on there, contact the medics because the medics are real good about that stuff. They're dealing with a lot more, like you said, you deal a lot more with the more human nature side of things. And it's like, you know, like I said, there's so much going on today with, like I said, people on. What? Wow. Um, yeah, I, I didn't really know who you were. I knew you were a mounted cop. Um, and I remember seeing you in the hallway one time after you had uh, come back to patrol mm -hmm. and we and I we started up a conversation and it was just like this I I think both of us were it was after work mm -hmm. and you talked for 45 minutes and it blew my mind I, I just hearing you talk I've written a bunch of notes I I can't I'm overwhelmed with thoughts of questions and and things I want to ask you mm -hmm. but um, um, a couple things I, I want to point out. One is um, maybe we should call this horse thick, not cop thick, because mm -hmm. <laughs> I can see a lot of benefit. Are, yeah. Did you say you're going to CIT training tomorrow? Yeah. I could see where you should train. You should, you could, you could take a an hour of that training, and we could all learn a lot. Uh, yeah. uh, 
even this neutral energy thing that was fascinating too i do think that i was just i was just today was thinking about how i had come from ambulance work to police work mm -hmm. and i had to really learn to be more assertive and more dominating mm -hmm. but it didn't and i kind of had to shed those uh, those skills that i had as a paramedic mm -hmm. and just get rid of them but now i realize they were really useful and once mm -hmm. in a while i'd pull them out and that that one neutral energy thing is a really a good a good example because i you've been on police calls where cops come in already deciding how things are going to go yeah. and it and they'll just pound that round peg into a square hole yeah and um so amazing you know also i, I hear you say a couple of things that made me realize at the front end of this and it's kind of a meditative process and that is surrender and unlearning because mm -hmm. it seems like that's really a big part of what you had to do. I mean, had you been around horses growing up? You no. said you grew up in Iowa. Uh, I was born in Iowa as well. Um, no. So th your first exposure to horses was what? As it, a cop or? Yeah, not? just that. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, just the, the well, my, my had family that boarded horses, but there were other people's horses. We never dealt with them when I was a kid. I didn't know anything about them. I mean, I didn't really have any desire um, until I came here. And, uh, you know, I was. There's a situation that happened pretty early on in my career that, you know, I decided that's what I want to do, you know, and it was just... I mean, you're a, you're a patrol cop and you saw a horse? Yeah, it was actually like the second night I was on the street in training um, was during, the, they had the state capitol, they had that, uh, um, the Taste of Minnesota is down at the state capitol. Sure. And, uh, you know, I I had, uh, um, uh, uh, Hutchinson was my, my primary F FTO. I mean, the guy was like off city or so many years in a row, you know, and I had been a cop in Iowa for two years, but just enough to kind of learn a lot of bad habits and just the training level of coming from a small department to a larger department like this. I mean, the training is just not even, it's not even night and day, you know, just not even comparable. But so, I mean, this first night I was out, they had that, uh, you know, when the fireworks went off, McDonald's had just put fancy rock garden around the outside of it and the traffic shut down and then all these guys just started chucking rocks at cars and there were shootings and stabbings, just total pandemonium and stuff. So when it came in the briefing the second night, they were like, well, you you know, we're going to be, if anything happens, we're going to go set up a perimeter on this McDonald's and that's going to be our job, you know, and I'm like, okay. And they're like, I didn't have any, you know, I mean, everybody's like, yeah, make sure you have your helmets and your bats. And I was like, raise my hand, you know, I was sitting in the front row. Hey, they're like, what do you, what do you need? I was like, oh, I don't have a bat, at, you know, a bat, nobody issued me that, and, it, you know, I think it was uh, Commander Steve Anderson was the sergeant at the time, and he's like, yeah, anybody got a bat for Lewis, and everybody snickered, you know, and <laughs> just put my hand down, you know, and so we went there, and, and I got in the car, and I remember, I think, you know, FTL was like, yeah, nothing's going to happen, you know, half an hour into it, they're like, everybody come over to McDonald's now, you know, so we pull up, and I still don't have a clue what's going on, and as soon as we get out, something kind of improvised device goes off loud explosion i'm like jeez you know what this is out of hand you know already and um of course i'm the new guy so they put me way on the end you know furthest west on in front of the building by myself i think the second closest person by me was like 20 feet away you know and it's just wall-to-wall -wall people that were totally different than me you know and i mean i'm like watching the guy next to me and he's shoving people and i'm like that's not a good idea you know i was like if something goes wrong i was like there's not gonna be anything left so i'm like yes sir sorry i started bothering people calling me names you know and i'm just like yeah, sorry i'm sorry we're out here you know and yeah. trying to do everything else and i mean i was really starting to get scared you know i'm like i was like i don't know what i'm way out of my element and even at that point it took kind of a lot for me to get scared you know i in the army and all these things you know and but i was just like this is there's no, it's an unwinnable situation as no matter what i can do i was like i can't defend myself amidst this many people you know so i i really i i looked around and i saw in the, behind me a big glass window and I, I was like you know what if if this goes on i'm gonna turn around and shoot that window i'm gonna run in there and hide, lock myself in the bathroom because nobody here is gonna care <laughs> nobody here knows me nobody cares they're not gonna come to my defense i was like i don't i just how i felt you know and all of a sudden, it's just like everybody started like yelling and running. And I mean, it was like a Godzilla movie. And I mean, that's how panic. And I'm like looking and I'm like trying to figure out, well, should I start running too? You know, well, I could see the other officer and he's just standing there like nothing's going on. I'm like, okay, well, I'll stand here like nothing's going on. Pretty soon, I could just see like this yellow reflected thing and these, these, uh, reflectors and all of a sudden horses come walking out of the darkness with these cops on it and i'm like i didn't know we had horses i've never even seen it like that i said but that's you know that's pretty cool you know everybody just ran you know and i'm like if i ever have to be in a situation that's what i want to do you know so i was just like ever since then that's what i was trying to do because i just and like i said i can remember back to i've been in that situation several times since then on the back of a horse and it is just you feel invincible it was like i said if the horse is listening to you and i mean it's just amazing what those animals will do for you
This is the editor here. We had a technical error while recording the podcast. The following section will have static interference that lasts only for about a minute. And uh, you know, like I said, I mean, I, to me it was a life-changing thing. I, I went into the mounted unit at a time where I was going through a divorce. It was probably the worst time of my life. And it really saved me from probably a career failure. Because at that time, I was, you know, taking everything at work personally. You know, I didn't really, I mean, I, I was decent to people, but it's like, I figured everybody should know I'm a cop, and it's like, these are my neighborhoods, and if you're screwing up in my neighborhood, you obviously don't make me mad. I had no idea about, you know, any of that stuff. I didn't think about it. Part of it was the reason it's like, I never empathized with anybody saying, you know what, it sucks if you don't have this or this is going on in your life. I never thought like that, because for the most part, I had a pretty easy life. Other than this new thing with my divorce, ever that, it was, you know, I, I was successful at everything I had done. I grew up in a family that was real loving and all this stuff, and... You know, I just was very arrogant about that, you know, and, and I wouldn't say it was like culturally or racially driven. I just took it personally that people would do things when they knew that I was out here trying to run the show. And it just, it was the wrong way to look at things. And like I said, getting thrown off, you can only get thrown off a horse so many times before you realize it's like, you know what, I'm not doing this right. I don't know, I don't have the answers. And so... Then when you have to teach other people, it's like, well, I better come up with the answers, otherwise somebody's going to get hurt. So, yeah, I mean, I just, like I said, I mean, it it really did make me a lot, because I used to be pretty high, you know, you know, I was aggressive. I was that, you know, meteor guy, and like I said, I'm not anymore. And, I mean, there's other things that come into play with that, you know, or return back into a, you know, a spiritual kind of thing, you know, and then with my daughter and stuff. And But, I mean, other than that, I mean... I was one of those guys that was just, like I said, aggressive, and, and I just don't think that, especially in our line of work, there is room for that. There, I, there isn't? Or I don't think there is. I don't think you can be, I think that the, I mean, if you go in with an aggressive attitude and I'm taking control of everything, you're going to make it worse. Yeah. Because you're coming into a fight as a fighter. You can't do that. You got to come in. I mean, you can be prepared and you should know what to do, but your focus should be it's, I mean, I, I guess when you ask people, well, what, what's our job? You know, I guess over the years I've had different answers for that. You know, I mean, you could say, well, I'm here to protect people. No, you're not there to protect people because you always come there after the fact. You know, I'm there to, you know, solve crime. You're not solving any crimes because I said you can't cr solve any crime without people helping you from the community. So the only thing you can really do there is to service people. Whatever that service might be at that time is what you got to do. So to do that service effectively, like you said, you can't go in there with those preconceived notions of this is how it's going to go, no matter what it is, whether it's a theft from auto or whether it's, you know, this, this is a mess that I've been to a thousand times. I know it's going to go because it's not going to go that way. And I think that really being prepared for that and being relaxed and being on that neutral level makes you prepared for when something does happen. Because when something does happen and you're used to feeling that way, you'll know when it's going to happen. You'll sense it right before it happens. You're going to sense, you're going to pick up and be like, whoa, this is not going right. And you'll be ready. I always think that um, that you can't armor yourself enough as a cop. You need agility mm -hmm. that comes with some kinds of flexibility and, and a calm mind as well. Mm -hmm. And um, I really like that concept. It's really making me reflect on um, being a, coming into law enforcement at another career. I had another career as a paramedic. Sure. And I had a lot of those skills, but I felt like, there was a lot of pressure and and to abandon some of those skills and now i'm kind of hearing you talk i i revalidate them again yeah um, but that neutral mind thing is so interesting you know because then you you just come into a situation and um to me it's a it's a type of alertness too mm -hmm. you know because then you're alert to trouble too mm -hmm. i mean and i just think that you know i mean it, it's easy to get bogged down in what's going on. I mean, it's like every time a new policy comes out or something like that, I mean, you're taking that with you. And, I mean, there's plenty of time to deal with that later. But, I mean, in, and when you're in the game, you have to be in the game. And I think that's what, you know, I think it, across anything that you, you see people that are good at things, if somebody's good at playing football or good at whatever it is, it's because in the moment they can just let it all go. And they just, it just open everything. And like I said, that's really, I think, the goal at least going on from where I'm at in my career, it's like, I just want to be that person that like, people are glad are there because it's like, it just makes it easier for everybody, you know? Not somebody that comes in there and it's like, gets everybody amped up and that kind of stuff, and we've all seen that, but I mean, it just, to me, it's way more enjoyable doing a job at that point when it's just like, you have the ability to do this, but it couldn't do that if I was coming in there 
like I was in the past, you know, I just, just, I couldn't be like that, you know, I mean, being, letting myself be vulnerable, I mean, it's just like, like I said, a horse, when they act up and they're, and they're throwing their fits, if you don't go in there and be like, I'm putting myself in this situation, but yet I'm still going to be ready if something bad happens, then the horse is not going to trust you and you're going to get hurt because you're going to move too slow or you're going to be, you got to have that connection. It's almost like a, a dance almost. And so, I mean, I can remember so many times where, I mean, the horse was kicking and jumping and I just stay there and just melt to him. And it's like, I didn't get hurt, you know, and I've been kicked. I've been double barreled by several horses. I've been, you know, dragged and, and, and all these different things. I've been really lucky and part of that is just luck, you know, and physical, you know, being physically fit and stuff. But the majority of it is, is just being ready for it, you know, just knowing when it came, I was ready. You know, I could just feel it. Something was changing just a slight bit. And it was something I could recognize because like I said, I was, I was, it's just like, you know, almost if somebody stuck a, a, a note in front of you and said, hey, this is what's happening. That's what the, the, the picture in your mind is. Because like I said, you just, you're not thinking of anything else. You know, you're just feeling what the situation is. And like I said, I mean, it's, it, it took a long time to recognize that. And like I said, I don't know how you really teach the people that on, the, on the fact that you just, you just really have to, you know, let go of those, those things. You know, I don't have to act tough. I don't have to be the toughest person out there because there's always somebody tougher. You know, you have to, you can get way more by having people respect you, you know. I mean, like I said, I don't have to, you know, you could do that. I mean, I could go out there and I can, you can toss people around and stuff. But first of all, you're not going to last very long. The other thing is, is you're not going to be happy because people aren't going to like you. You want people to like you. You want people to respect you. And it's not like you have to, you know, be weak to them, but you have to be vulnerable. You know, you have to be open to them coming into, you know, when you walk into a house and people are yelling, you can't yell over them, you know, because they're caught in, they're caught in some kind of trauma, you know. You have to just move to the side and, and wait for that cue. When they're, when they're ready to talk to you, they'll talk to you. And it's like, you know, they may be loud, they may be in your face and stuff, but you're going to have to, going to have to understand that the majority of people don't, aren't going to attack you. That's not they're attacking, they're, 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 ah, they're amped up, you know. And I mean, part of that, you know, comes from having a lot of training and skills and being confident in your skills and stuff like that. And, and just experience it helps, you know, I mean, obviously being in this job for 20 years, is, there's a lot more comfortability than when I was at, you know, five, 10 years, you know, because like I said, I've got this, all this experience under my belt that says, hey, you know, this is how it's going to go. But um, So every call you go on today, so uh, when's the last day you worked? You said you're up north. Uh, let's see, I was had training again, I think, the last day of work, so it was probably like last Tuesday, maybe. So you're in your work day shift right mm -hmm. now, and um, you, you do this very naturally, I'm sure, without a lot of pre-thought, but you walk into every call thinking about joining up. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's in, that's how you would actually probably mm -hmm. phrase it. I've never heard that word put that way. Well, I mean, it, that's, it's a horse term, and like oh, I said, it it's the, the joining up part, part is that you know, horse, when it's, it's, because a lot of horses, you know, they're, they're, they don't want to work. I mean, obviously it's not their, their end goal is to do what you want them to do. I mean, their end goal is they want to eat and sleep and do these other things. But I mean, when they are ready to do something, they will give some kind of cue whether, you know, it's a, you know, they'll bend an ear in to listen to you or they'll look at you or they'll slow down their gait or they'll, you know, um, just focus on you. And, and there's just a million different ways you can to get them to that point and there's different techniques everybody's got their own and stuff but when it happens you know the horse is focused on 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 communicating with you they've they've, they've accepted the fact that you want to communicate with them and it's just a cue that says hey i'm going to ready to communicate and so with humans there's lots of things that people do you know they you know there's tons of you know like we talk about all kinds of you know nonverbal cues and stuff like that that they do but there's also like i said an energy level that if you're in tune to it, because I know what my energy level is, and it's like, I know that whatever the situation is, I'm going to try to be below that. Whether if the car's on fire or we're sitting, you know, drinking coffee in a coffee shop, that's where I want to be. Because I, I know other people are reading my, my energy. And so when I go into a place, if there's somebody in there that, that I know doesn't like the police, or maybe I don't know doesn't like the police, if they're reading off an energy that doesn't, it's like, hey, that, 
I don't get that from this guy for some reason. It's like, I think this way about police, but I don't think it about that guy for, I don't know why, you know? And it might even say it to you. It's like, what makes you different? Why are you different? Well, nothing makes me different. It's just that we're human beings and I see you as a human and that's just what I think, you know? And it's like, and as long as I don't feel any energy from you, I'm not gonna give it back to you because I can direct, I can definitely turn that energy up if I want to. I can stare people down if I need to. I mean, I know how to do that. But it's like, there's no, you know, and the funny thing is, is that um, when I was a kid, I don't know why, but I had this nervous tick that when I would, every time I would say something, I'd make this eh, weird sound after I did it, you know, and I never, totally forgot about it. And one day I was, I just, for some reason I thought about it and I'm like, mom, did I used to do this? And she's like, yeah. And she, I was like, well, why did I stop? And she's like, well, cause your friends would make so much fun of you all the time. You just finally stopped. And then I thought back and I'm like, well, how did, what had happened was, is that I just stopped talking. You know, I would listen more and I just was really nervous about saying things. And so I really started like watching people and picking up on these things and, and, and trying to find different ways of communicating. But one of the things I learned very quickly is that if you look menacing, people won't talk to you. And so I used that for a lot of years as a tool to just keep people away from me, you know, because not because I didn't like people, it was because I would get so embarrassed every time I, you know, and I, I've had some attention issues over my life and it's like, I was always embarrassed by it, talking fast and all that stuff. And, and so if you did that, people wouldn't bother you and you wouldn't get embarrassed, you wouldn't feel bad, blah, 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 so on and so forth. But, you know, it's just funny looking back at it now. It's just that it's kind of been a, a helpful kind of thing because it's like now I do that and I feel very comfortable going in and letting people rattle on for 20 minutes about something and be like, oh, okay, well, what can I do for you, you know? You know, that's it's funny you bring the menacing thing because uh, I knew you for years and you see, looked so menacing even then that yeah. I even told that I was probably uh, intimidated by you. So that conversation we had in the hallway is because I'm like, I'm the EAP director. I like to get to know how people are doing. Oh, he's made a huge transition out of mounted. I wonder how he's how he's managing. Thinking somehow I was going to offer you something, and instead I'm sitting there with just my with a slack jaw listening to you talk about basically zoology. Yeah. It was fascinating. You know, um, you said something, a couple things I gotta ask you about. There's a lot of things I'd like to ask you about. Um, but one was, when you said, if there were 10 horses outside and we went out there, you know that they'd come up to you. Mm -hmm. Why would they want to come up to you? Well, because they're gonna know right away just by the way I move. Because I, 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 why would they want to come up to a human? That because they they're going to recognize something that's. I mean, it causes curiosity when it's just like if you went to, you know, if I went, let's say I went over to um, a mosque, and all of a sudden I walked in there as myself and I started speaking whatever language it is they're speaking. Right away they'd be like, "Wow, this guy speaks our language." Yeah, and they'd want to come talk to me probably because it's like this is very rare. Same thing with horses. Okay. If you walk into a field and the horses are like, and, and I've picked up things, like I said, spending so much time, I mean, that's a lot of time to spend. I mean, if you think about it, I thought about it, I've done the math a few times, but it's over like 20 some thousand hours of spending around horses that I've met. And so that's a lot of time of, and I, so I've picked up their behaviors that I don't even, probably subconsciously, I don't even know what I'm doing. You know, like I said, carrying, you know, one of the things I don't, I very rarely look at people in the, in the eyes when I'm talking to them, especially at work. You know, I'll focus on my note because it, it tells them that it's given that them their vulnerability. I'm still watching her hand. I'm still doing all the things that we're supposed to be doing, watching her proximity, doing this stuff. I'm doing those things, but I'm not, I know what is confrontational for humans. And so I'm not going to do that. And I especially, and this is very good with different cultures because, you know, I think as Americans, especially, and even as Caucasians, we assume, well, everybody just does what we want to do. And that's way different. And cultures are, you know, it's kind of cultures that are trying to adapt to us. And like I said, it's very, it's very, like I said, non-threatening and, and very easy for me to do. Like I said, I just pick it up. And so I know that those are things that I had to learn to do because I used to be, you know, run out, walk, or walk straight out to the horse, throw on his halter, grab him by the lead rope, drag him out of there. You know, he's dragging back and stuff. And it's like, well, you know. Right away, people are like, have you tried doing this? Have you tried doing that? Because what you're doing is wrong, you know? And until you realize it's like, wait a minute, they're not going to ever do what I want to do. They're going to do what they want to do. And so once you've made that, that commitment, 
you're gonna do it. I mean, I would. It's just like if if I came here and I knew that you didn't like people wearing their, their shoes in the house, I wouldn't wear my shoes in the house because I know I would get into problems if I did it. You know, it's, I've learned those rules, so I know the norms for the horses, and it's it's the same for all the horses because they're, it's they're, that's how they are. You know, there's yeah, there's gonna be some that are more aggressive, some that are less aggressive, but eventually they're gonna. You know, I've seen this. Uh... The shoe analogy is funny. I've seen this um, both with paramedics and uh, police officers because I've been both and I've been around them and I've been an observer of them. You know, the first couple, three years, three, four years are a lot of fun because mm -hmm. they're really running a gun. And, and then they either have some disappointment or some setback or some slap down or the shine wears off a little bit. And sometimes they stay embittered for the rest of their career and low-functioning. Sometimes these people make these miraculous, remarkable transitions where they kind of surrender a little bit to the job, I think mm -hmm. they do. Like, what's the reality of ambulance work? Mm -hmm. It's not going from one amazing call to another. Sometimes it's taking elderly women with broken hips to the hospital and yeah. being as nice as you can and trying to avoid any extra bumps. Asking them about where they grew up. Being a cop, walking into a room and then just going, what, 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 what needs to be done here? How do I serve these folks? So I'm just saying that um, I, I think some what you're talking about is that coming to terms. It, well, I'm I'm aware that some cops never transition out of that. You know, they just maintain you know, whatever they're doing isn't working, so they just work less, maybe. Yeah. You know, um, versus what isn't what's no longer working, or they don't desire it, or they've been thrown off, as you might say, enough times they get really mm -hmm. hurt or scared, and they're like, I got to change this thing up, and then they successfully do yeah. that. Well, I mean, I, I, I recently with, um, you know, the body, the body worn camera thing is, is, I think it's a really good thing, but it's been hard for me as, as a person that's not real tech savvy and, and just, I wasn't raised up in cult, in a cop culture where that was one of the things that we had to do. You know, radio, I have no problem doing because that yeah. was from day one, radio, 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 you know, that's easy, you know, but the, you know, it's been a transition and, and I, I, I'm doing a pretty good job of it, but, you know, recently I got some, um, you know, some complaints about not having videos you know and, and at first I was like you know it's like this is typical you know it's like they don't care about you know the work we're doing but I'm thinking you know what so what you know I made a mistake so when I wrote that down my, I had an I complaint I wrote that right in response it's like you know what I'm looking at this as a training a training issue you know I it happens you know it happened and I, I didn't do it intentionally but it's what it is you know but I could see very easily if you didn't have and, and granted, I'm very lucky because I came from a military background where it's like you understand the military process of how it's, you know, it's like you have no control of this. This is just you do the job and that's it, you know. So I very I always fall back on that. But at the same time, it's like, you know, I'm still going to do what I do. And I'm not going to let that, that, that deter me because, like I said, you're going to have bumps in the road in anything you do. And But I can see if you're really dragged down and being unhappy and not looking at this. Because, I mean, it, it's a great job, you know. I mean, it's it's really a job that's, you know. You get in what you put in, into it, really, and it's like I'm not gonna let something like that set me back because, like I said, I mean, you know, it doesn't benefit anybody, you know. And, and like I said, I mean, it's it's fine to joke around about it and say, well, yeah, the next thing you're gonna do is do this, but I mean, I don't like that. I hate negativity. And one thing I really, one thing that's really changed, begging me, I guess, since the beginning of the horses and the end of the horses is that I cannot tolerate people not being respectful to people. I just cannot tolerate. It. I mean, I can tolerate you screwing up and I but I can't tolerate you going to talking to somebody and not giving them their respect you know whether it's well I don't have time to deal with this you got you better make time for it I mean that's that's your job you know make time for people make and then like I said if I see somebody doing that or getting spun up about stuff that doesn't I mean, just I just real low tolerance for that not to the point where I'm gonna take it out on them but I'm just like it's just like you know what? I don't want to be with on that person because it's just like it doesn't need to be like that you know and it's like um, I know there's people that you know one of the things about Horses you have to run real quick is that there would be some horse that you come across that you cannot fix or you cannot get to work. And so you, as you get the experience right away, you can tell, you know, it's like I'm not going to waste my time here because I know that this horse has been either, you know, either due to poor training or poor experience or even poor confirmation on the way they're built. They're not going to work for this job. And it's like I, the horse is a great horse. I'd love to be able to do that. I'd love the 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 validation of being saying, you know what, I trained brought this horse around. But it's like, no, it's not going to work. I know it's not going to work. And so it's like you find people in your life, I think, sometimes that you're just like, I can't change their opinion no matter what I do. And it's like if they would come to me, I would 
do anything for them, but I'm not going to go out there and try to force on my stuff on them because it's just not going to work. Yeah. You know, and I mean, I, I've just seen people like that. It's like you tell them, hey, you can't do that, you know, yeah. but you can't do that. You can't do that. You can't do that. And it's just, it's like bouncing off a wall, you know, and I mean, you just try to avoid that. But I mean, it's like, you can't let it change your attitude or change the way that you're going to treat the next person. You know? Yeah. Gosh, good, good for you. I wish I, I'd love to be in patrol and go, uh, go on calls with you. I'd love to participate in this. I, I really enjoy it. I feel I take some pride in knowing that people would come up to me as a cop uh, and say, oh, you just look like someone I could talk to, or I think you, this, I think I can tell you this, or even on um, suicidal people, sometimes I'd just be in the back of the crowd and then they would pick me out, you know, so I'm, I'm proud that I was picking up on that energy or recognizing it. It makes me just wish, I'd love to learn more from you and just put it in practice. I want to just try something. I just want to show you a picture mm -hmm. and just tell me, would you describe it? To the radio audience or the listening audience? Uh, it looks like a, a lion tamer. Um, got a couple lions in there. Um, uh, like I said, I mean, it, I can't tell exactly what he's doing. I don't know much about lion taming other than what I've seen. But what 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 do you notice about the lions? Well, there's one lion that looks like he's focused. Um, the other lions don't appear like they're even interested. I'm like they're ignoring him. Um, it's kind of the kind of the deal, I guess. Um, I don't know. I would say that uh, this guy probably, I mean, because lions are pride. They work in a pride, um, and there's the yeah, so the opposite of horses. Yeah, opposite of horses. But there's still a hierarchy there. Even even predators have a hierarchy. Um, just like humans will learn a hierarchy in a, in a certain situation. Um, and if one, you know, thing about horses is usually about horses. If one horse trusts you, then they all trust you. And, and I mean, look at this picture. I, I'm, it's probably similar for, for, for lions. If you work around you know, them and they trust you, then they accept you into the pride. Then you become one of the pride members. And then it's wherever you are in the hierarchy, you know. Um, and like I said, I, I don't know. So I was going to ask about the hierarchy. I'll give up on the picture. The hierarchy is, um, so the horses, um, how, where do they look? Where do they rank you? Well... Do they rank you? Um, First, so they look to you for not I don't know if guidance, but to take their temperature off you. Or well, the moment the moment that a horse recognizes that you're speaking their language, whatever that is, they're gonna start to to accept you. Because first of all, they're always afraid of you. You know, when you when you walk forward, you get your eyes in front of your head. As soon as they, they even if they've been around humans their whole life, most likely they're gonna be afraid of you. I mean, horses are overly dramatic. If you, like, snap, jump towards them or anything, they're going to way overreact because it's like, uh, you know, <laughs> and it's just in their nature. So, I mean, once you've established that you are, I mean, they're, you're already, they're already below you, but yet you want them to come into you. You want them to accept you as a herd. So horses are going to constantly test you, and it might be super simple, like just leaning into you. But if they lean into you and you don't do something back to them, then they're going to assume that they can, then you're below them right away. So like when you walk up to a horse, like let's say you went out here and there was a fence and there was a horse behind it, you walked out there and you started petting him on the head and he started rubbing into you, you'd be like, oh man, this horse really likes me. No, he's showing he's totally dominant over you. <laughs> and that's a very comfortable place to be. And so, you know, back to the beginning when I was telling you about that lady getting bit, one of the things she used to always make a habit with her horse was she'd walk up and kiss him on the muzzle. Okay. When two horses meet initially, they go up and they'll stick their noses to each other and they'll breathe in, breathe on each other. And if one horse doesn't back away, then they escalate right away. And so if you are comfortable with your horse, maybe your horse is, is just used to doing that. But if you go to a horse that is, is treating you as another person to herd and you try to do that, they're going to bite the crap out of you. And it's going to be aggressive. And that horse has may never been aggressive to humans at all, but you give them that window and they're, they're going to treat you just like a regular horse because they don't know any better. And so, you know, that's what I learned, you know, because when I first started, it's like I came in, we had these gray sweatshirt, training sweatshirts, and I came in, and the thing was completely green. And they're like, what happened to you? It's like, my horse keeps biting me, he hates me. Well, why are you letting him bite you? I don't know how to stop him. You know, it's like, I didn't understand any of that stuff, you know, but it's like, the horse does that stuff because you let him do it. You know, it's just like, you know, why did my 15-year-old take off of my car? Well, because I made it so he could do it, you know. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, you know, it, it's just a... Uh, like I said, I mean, uh, 
you know, I kind of lost direction on where we're going. Well, did, let me just uh, add something here um, before we end. If you enjoyed this podcast, um, you might be interested in my book. It's called Good Cop, Good Cop, A Get Healthy, Stay Healthy Guide for Law Enforcement. And so in the book, I, I talk about a lot of topics and it can be purchased through Amazon. Uh, and you can also just find more information about the book at goodcopgoodcop.com. There's 50,000 words in that book. The word horse is not in there at all. I think dog and elephant might be. Um, but I really, really am very impressed by what you say. I feel like I want to be a student of your message. And I really appreciate you sharing it with us. Um, something I want to come back around to, just something you said that I thought was pretty profound. You said a lot of profound things. Um, one was uh, uh, that you had to learn to think like another species. And that was something that brought you back to even yourself in ways, you know, because you acknowledged some of your, I guess there may be shortcomings or, or such. That was an amazing thought, that you had to learn to think like another species. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, it's, and you have to do that all the time. I mean, like I said, you know, after my divorce, I went through lots of counseling, a lot of self stuff, and some of it stuck, some of it didn't. I had, you know, I was handed a dozen books that, you know, read and all this stuff, and it, I always felt really bad that I couldn't, you know, and I've always had a pr real problem in my personal relationships with just connecting with people that I've been, and I cared about those people, and I love those people, but I just could never get to that point where I was connecting, and, um, you know, I, for a long time, I struggled with that, and it's like, you know, why can't you do this? It seems like other people are so natural, and, you know, until I made that, that decision, that, but you know what? It's okay. That's how you are. It's how you're wired. There's a reason for it, and, and then things became easy, you know? It's like I didn't see those things as shortcomings, you know? I mean, I still have those problems, and I always have those problems, but, I mean, the key is to, is to communicate and say, you know what? You, you always got to be ready to say, I don't, I don't know what I'm doing. You know, if you can, if you can admit that, then you will always be successful because when it comes up to a chance where things are going to be effy, you're going to back away and say, you know what, I can't do it. And there's nothing wrong with that, you know. And so I think that, you know, when I go, you know, it wasn't too long ago I got stopped. I was on a call, I'm an accident, hit and run actually, and this guy stopped by on his bike, African-American gentleman, said who his name was, told him he was a lawyer and this stuff. And he said, the thing he said to me was, You've got to teach these younger officers um, how to think, you know, how to respect people's race and all that kind of stuff. And I'm thinking, what are you talking about, you know? But then when I thought about it, I was like, he's 100% right, you know, because what he's telling me is that there's a problem, okay? I may not have the answers to that problem, but I've got to look at it away. It's like, I don't, just like with my not understanding people's emotions, I understand that other people have it. And if I want to respect that people and I want them to communicate with me, then I'm going to have to acknowledge the fact that, you know what, I don't know what I'm talking about when it comes to this. You know, so I don't, I don't know what it's like for, your, for race differences and any of that stuff. And it's like, but you know what, you're right. If, 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 if there's a problem, it needs to be addressed, no matter what it is. And like I said, we may not agree on it, we may not work on it, but if you don't let yourself become vulnerable and accept the fact that you're not perfect, you're going to be wrong. And that's where I think a lot of cops... You know, we think we have the law, we have a badge, we have all these things. We're perfect because we're, it's, no, you're not. You're just another human being with a different uniform on. You know, so, I mean, I think that, you know, that's a hard road for people to, because, you know, the first time that somebody goes against you and doesn't do what you tell them, and they really put you in a bad spot, like maybe you get hurt or something, you're going to know real quick that, yeah, that, none of that stuff matters. Right. It doesn't, you know, but, you know, that's why it's so important to, to get those respectful relationships and show people respect. Because even people that don't like you and don't agree with you, if you show them respect, chances are they're not going to do anything bad to you. Because mm -hmm. you've already given them the respect. Who cares? Who cares if it's they think they got one up on you or they go back and say, yeah, I made him look like a bunch. Who cares? Mm -hmm. You walked away from there and you're, you're all right, you know. And yeah. so, I mean, that, that's just it. You know, like I said, the horses, like I said, I didn't think that way before. And it's not all, like I said, it's not all because of horses, but it definitely did give me a, a, a long, prolonged opportunity to really do a lot of self-evaluation of myself. And, and like I said, I, I know I'd, I'm a better person for it. Well, I think um, 
uh, it was a nice, it was an essential pathway for you. The one thing you mentioned, you just ended, you just said it a second ago, it's basically self-awareness, and that's the path that you took for it. Communication, which is interesting, which includes uh, trying to recognize other people's energy, uh, recognizing that you're just literally listening, which, you know, I heard a definition of listening the other day that said it's the generosity of time, mm-hmm. you know, where you just are kind of just open and ready, you mm-hmm. know, that kind of thing. So that's what I'm hearing. I'm hearing somebody that uh, uh, studied themselves a bit, and uh, that's very impressive. Well, um, Andy, we, we should stop here. Uh, I learned a ton. I took a bunch of notes that I don't know what to do with. Um, that's probably more talking than anybody's ever heard me talking. Really? And we got it, we got yeah, it recorded. Got it recorded, so yeah. And I think you were, it's almost like you kind of got unleashed a little bit. You, I think you have a lot to share in this area, and um, I think... Uh, I think you're a huge benefit to me to have to share it on this podcast. So. I appreciate that. Well, I think we might have some other chances to talk some more. I hope so. Sure. Anything anything you thought when you're coming over here you thought I might ask you about uh, that I didn't? No, not really. I mean, I like I said, I don't, you know, I try not to, you know, like I said, I don't know. I talked to you, like I said, I figured it would be more like we did this last time. And like I said, it might, one of the things might, and I was coming here, and my girlfriend's like, oh, man, it doesn't sound like you'd something you'd be into because you don't like talking about yourself and stuff like that. And I'm like, well, you know, I mean, it's, that's, you know, horses is something that really excites me. And even though I don't really deal with it anymore, and it's, you know, I don't deal with horses anymore, but I mean, it's just, I still have that feeling in me, you know. I mean, mm-hmm. like, like I said, I've been able to find another avenue to apply it to, and I think my job is a, just another continuation of that, you know. I mean, so, yeah, I mean, I just, there's not, not really anything I thought of that was okay. just uh, well, I think maybe if we get you next time, another time, I'd like to hear more about how you uh, just how you, you know, approach people on the street with this stuff. All right, thanks so much. Mm-hmm.